the second half of the semester here, we're just going to be stepping through uh, some of these different processes and the semester will be over before we know it. Uh, our next stop here is, is the fulfillment process. And just like we did with the purchasing process, we're going to talk about the organizational levels, we're going to talk about the master data, talk about some basic concepts related to fulfillment, and then really dig into the process in a little bit more detail. This is the very basic process, the fulfillment process. I get a purchase order from a customer, I put that into my system, creating a sales order, I then prepare the shipment, which this leaves out a whole bunch of stuff right here where I might have had to actually make the stuff or, or otherwise get the stuff. But once I have the stuff, I prepare the shipment, I pick and I pack it, I actually ship it to the customer, and then I create an invoice, and then the customer pays me and I receive payment. So this is the mirror image of, of the last process that, that we just talked about organizational data that is relevant to fulfillment. The client is relevant because everything happens inside of the client. The company code is relevant because financial accounting is going to go on here. The sales organization is going to be relevant because they're going to motivate the customer to make the purchase and they're going to get credit for the sale. The distribution channel is similarly relevant because it, in a way, specifies how the merchandise is getting to the customer and what motivated the customer to make the purchase. Division is relevant for, for the same reason, and we have this concept of a sales area. So we've talked about these things before. We'll, we'll flesh out a few more details than we did previously, but we clearly have already seen this before. We have plants that are relevant, particularly in the context of procurement. We talked about things as being receiving plants. In fulfillment, we think more in terms of a shipping plant, but we still have the uh, idea here of a storage location because before we can ship things out, we've got to locate them. And so things are going to be coming out of storage locations. Here's something we haven't talked about before which is a shipping point, and so that's something that we'll need to spend a little bit of time on. And then credit control area. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about the granting of credit. So the things that are in black that are not new to us at all and have already been involved in other processes, um, we won't talk about. But let's review or go over some of the elements with uh, some of the other things here. So one of the organizational data elements we deal with is the sales organization. Now remember, the purchasing organization is the entity that bears the ultimate strategic responsibility for purchases that we make. Well, similarly, a sales organization bears the ultimate responsibility for selling materials and services. So that word organization is used on both sides, whether buying or selling, to denote the entity, the, really the people in our organization that manage this at the highest level. The specific duties of the sales organization are to distribute goods and services, you know, basically get people to buy them, um, negotiating the sales conditions, and so they're going to play a big role in setting terms of sales, 
and negotiating that with customers. And then the sales organization also bears a legal responsibility. When we think in terms of product liability and customers having rights of recourse against us that might result in lawsuits and things like that, from a company structure and legal perspective, the obligation associated with selling a product lives in the sales organization of our company. So the vice president of sales or, or whoever the top ranked person in our organization on the selling side would typically be a part of the sales organization. And in fact, when we're talking about negotiating and product liability and such, you can see where there might actually be a lot of lawyers that actually are working related to the sales organization. This is the really the highest level entity that we have in the selling process as far as capturing data. So as we wind up building a hierarchy here, the sales organization is going to be the parent. Now, of course, we could have multiple sales organizations, but ultimately, in the context of selling, there's nothing upstream from them that, that we have to concern ourselves with. One or more sales organizations are assigned to a company code. So I started building a hierarchy here. You know, this could be my company code that both of these belong to. Every company code has to have a sales organization associated with it, uh, presuming that we're going to be selling things, which one would assume would be true for pretty much any organization that's out there. And in fact, these sales organizations, well, a company code must have at least one sales organization. And these are often based on geography. So I might want to break this up in terms of West Coast sales, East Coast sales, uh, other things of that sort come into play here. But the key things to remember that I don't know that we emphasized previously is this element of legal responsibility and, and negotiation. So as we think of all of the things that come to our company in the way of responsibilities related to selling things, that's going to be housed in, in this particular group. Questions about that? All right, distribution channel. This is the means through which materials or services reach the customers. That, you know, that definition makes sense, but really what we're talking about here is more um, a distribution strategy or a technique. For example, we might think in terms of web-based sales and catalog sales and in-store sales. Well, those are all different ways in which materials reach the customer. But if we go too far down that pathway, we could find ourselves <coughs> confused because web-based and catalog, UPS might actually deliver the stuff for us. And we're not talking about UPS here. We're talking about the strategy by which we have reached this customer. We've communicated with them through our website. And so that's the way that this order came in. We mailed the customer catalog. He or she read the catalog. They picked up the phone. They called us to place an order. That was the strategy that we employed to get access. Distribution channels are very, very useful because we can use it 
to do things like differentiate retail versus wholesale versus internet. So what I didn't have on my previous list here that I could I could add at this point is, you know, other strategies here would be wholesale, uh, retail. I, I could have as many of these distribution channels as I need to uh, to have it make sense in my company. What this is useful for is I can think in terms of different pricing schedules. Um, you had an exercise recently where you set a pricing schedule, very, very basic fashion, for products that you were selling. And in fact, uh, a small handful of you had some problems with that because you went and created a pricing schedule, and then when you went to sell stuff, it said, we don't have a pricing schedule for that. And it was very confusing because you looked in the system, you had a pricing schedule, but it didn't think you had a pricing schedule. And that's because as I create these pricing schedules, I could have one schedule for wholesale, I could have a different schedule, I don't know why I put an arrow next to retail while I said wholesale, but I could have a schedule for retail, I could have a schedule for wholesale, I could have different prices for web-based, I could have different prices for internet. So distribution channels give me a way of differentiating pricing. You don't see this much anymore, but in terms of e-commerce, that used to be a huge issue a number of years ago where companies like Walmart wrestled with should they sell stuff online for the same prices in their store or for different prices. And companies experimented with a lot of things. We can do that through distribution channels. We can have different pricing schedules. This gives us a way of keeping track of statistics. How many lamps did we sell by way of the website versus how many we sold in the store? And so it gives us a way of keeping track of company activities. A sales organization must have at least one distribution channel. If I don't have a distribution channel, I'm a sales organization that has no mechanism to reach out and communicate with my customers. So I have to have that. A sales organization must have at least one distribution channel. And the same distribution channel can exist in multiple sales organizations. So the idea here is that I might have a West Coast sales organization and an East Coast sales organization. And both of them engage in retail and wholesale. And both of them have in-store sales. And maybe in my organization, the West Coast people print the catalogs. And they're in charge of catalog sales. And the East Coast people, they are in charge of the website and they have all the web designers and stuff, and so they get credit for all of those sales. Distribution channels give me a way to keep track of that. Distribution channels are actually created at the client level. That shouldn't surprise us because organizational data is very frequently created at the client level, but we assign these to sales organizations, which is what gives us the ability to kind of mix and match them as we were just talking about there. Well, this is where we are out of time for today. So I'm pleased that we got through the purchasing process and looking forward to covering the fulfillment process with you. Um, hope you all have a good rest of the day. Enjoy the nice weather we've been having and I'll look forward to seeing you when we get together on Thursday. If you did not sign in, uh, please make sure that you come up and do that.